Welcome to Quantum Magazine Science Podcast. Come for the science, stay for the stories. For news, interviews, videos, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org. This week, we'll hear about a mysterious pattern found in bird eyes and other surprising places. Seven years ago, Joe Corbo stared into the eye of a chicken and saw something astonishing. The color-sensitive cone cells of the retina looked like polka dots of five different colors and sizes. But unlike the randomly dispersed cones in human eyes, the chicken's cones appeared haphazard and yet uniform. The dots' locations followed no discernible rule, and yet dots never appeared too close together or too far apart. The five sets of cones, both separately and together, exhibited the same mix of randomness and regularity. Corbo, who runs a biology lab at Washington University in St. Louis, was hooked. He said the patterns were extremely beautiful. They inspired his curiosity and desire to understand them. He and his collaborators also hoped to figure out the pattern's function and how they formed. Corbo didn't know then that other scientists were asking these same questions in many other contexts. He also didn't know that he had found the first biological example of a hidden order in math and physics. Corbo did know that whatever bird retinas are doing is probably the thing to do. Avian vision works spectacularly well. Eagles, for example, can spot mice from a mile up in the air. His lab studies the evolutionary adaptations responsible for birds' great eyesight. Scientists believe many of these attributes were passed down to birds from an ancient lizard-like creature. 300 million years ago, that creature gave rise to both dinosaurs and proto-mammals. While dinosaurs ruled the planet, ancient mammals scurried around in the dark. They were nocturnal and gradually lost color discrimination, eventually dropping to only two types of cones. About 30 million years ago, one of our primate ancestors' cones split into two, one detecting red and the other green. Together with the existing blue detecting cone, this brought us up to three. But our cones, particularly the newer red and green ones, have a clumpy distribution and sample light unevenly. Bird eyes have had eons longer to improve. Along with their higher cone count, the cells are more regularly spaced. But Corbo wondered why evolution didn't opt for the perfect regularity of a grid or lattice distribution of cones. The strange pattern they observed in the retinas was probably optimizing some unknown set of constraints. What these constraints were and what the pattern was remained unclear. The biologists did their best to quantify the regularity in the retinas, but they needed help. In 2012, Corbo contacted Salvatore Torquato, a professor of theoretical chemistry at Princeton. Torquato is an expert in an area known as packing. Packing problems ask about the densest way to pack objects in any given number of dimensions. Corbo said he wanted to figure out if this system was optimally packed. Torquato was intrigued and ran some algorithms on digital images of the retinal patterns. He was astounded. He saw the same pattern occurring in these systems as he'd seen in a lot of inorganic or physical systems. Torquato had been studying this hidden order since the early 2000s when he named it hyperuniformity. Since then, it has turned up in a rapidly expanding family of systems such as materials called quasi-crystals and the large-scale structure of the universe. 
Scientists are nearly always taken by surprise when this pattern pops up in new places, as if playing whack-a-mole with the universe. They are still searching for a unifying concept underlying these examples. In the process, they've uncovered new properties of hyper-uniform materials that could be technologically useful. Henry Cohn, a mathematician and packing expert at Microsoft Research New England, said from a mathematical standpoint, the more you study hyper-uniformity, the more elegant and conceptually compelling it seems. He said what surprised him was the potential breadth of its applications. Torquato and a colleague launched the study of hyper-uniformity 13 years ago. They described it theoretically and identified a simple example. Take marbles and put them into a container. Then shake them up until they jam. Torquato said that system is hyper-uniform. The marbles fall into an arrangement where they fill 64% of space. This is less than in the densest possible arrangement of spheres. That would be the lattice packing used to stack oranges in a crate, which fills 74% of space. But lattice packings aren't always possible to achieve. You can't easily shake a box full of marbles into a crystalline arrangement. Torquato explained that you also can't build a lattice by arranging objects of five different sizes, like the cones in chicken eyes. As stand-ins for cones, consider coins on a tabletop. If you try to compress pennies, Torquato said, they form a triangular lattice. But throw some nickels in with the pennies, and that stops the coins from crystallizing. Adding more components like quarters and dimes further prevents crystallization. So geometry demands that avian cone cells be disordered. But there's a competing evolutionary demand for the retina to sample light as uniformly as possible. Blue cones are placed far from other blue cones, red far from other reds, and so on. Balancing these constraints, Torquato said, the system settles for disordered hyperuniformity. Hyperuniformity gives birds the best of both worlds. Five cone types arranged in near uniform mosaics provide phenomenal color resolution, but it's a hidden order that you really can't detect with your eye. To determine whether a system is hyper-uniform, you need algorithms that work like a game of ring toss. Imagine repeatedly tossing a ring onto an orderly lattice of dots, Torquato said. Each time it lands, count the number of dots inside the ring. The number of captured dots changes from one ring toss to the next, but not by very much. That's because the interior of the ring always covers a fixed block of dots. The only variation in the number of captured dots happens along the ring's perimeter. If you increase the size of the ring, you will get variation along the longer perimeter. Now imagine playing ring toss with uncorrelated dots, a random distribution marked by gaps and clusters. As you make the ring bigger, the variation in the number of captured dots scales in proportion to the ring's area rather than its perimeter. This is a hallmark of randomness. The result is that on large scales, the density fluctuations between ring tosses in a random distribution are much more extreme than in a lattice. The game gets interesting when it involves hyper-uniform distributions. The dots are locally disordered, so for small ring sizes, the number of captured dots changes from one toss to the next more than in a lattice. But as you make the ring bigger, the density fluctuations begin to grow in proportion to the ring's perimeter, rather than its area. This means that the large-scale density of the distribution is just as uniform as that of a lattice. 
Among hyper-uniform systems, researchers have found a zoology of structures, said Paul Steinhardt, a Princeton physicist. In these systems, the growth of density fluctuations depends on different powers of the ring's perimeter multiplied by different coefficients. Torquato said they don't know what it all means. It's evolving. There are many papers coming out. Hyperuniformity is clearly a state where diverse systems come together, but the explanation for its universality is a work in progress. Henry Cohn, the packing expert, says he sees hyperuniformity as a hallmark of deeper optimization processes of some sort, but what these processes are may vary a lot between problems. Hyperuniform systems fall into two main classes. Those in the first class appear to be hyperuniform upon reaching equilibrium, the stable configuration that particles settle into naturally. In these equilibrium systems, it is mutual repulsions between the particles that space them apart and give rise to global hyperuniformity. Similar math might explain the emergence of hyperuniformity in bird eyes. The other class is not as well understood. In these non-equilibrium systems, which include shaken marbles, emulsions, and ensembles of cold atoms, particles bump into one another but otherwise do not exert mutual forces. External forces must be applied to the systems to drive them to a hyper-uniform state. Within the non-equilibrium class, they are further intractable divisions. Last fall, Denis Bartolo reported that hyperuniformity can be created in emulsions by sloshing them at the exact amplitude that marks the transition between reversibility and irreversibility in the material. When sloshed more gently than this critical amplitude, the particles suspended in the emulsion return to their previous relative positions after each slosh. When sloshed harder, the particles' motions do not reverse. Bartolo's work suggests a fundamental connection between the onset of reversibility and the emergence of hyperuniformity in such non-equilibrium systems. Maximally jammed packings, meanwhile, are a whole different story. Bartolo said we have absolutely no idea why hyperuniformity shows up in these two very different sets of physical systems. As they work to link these threads, scientists have also found surprising properties of hyperuniform materials. They have behaviors normally associated with crystals, but which are less prone to fabrication errors. In a paper published in Optica, Remy Carminati reports that dense hyperuniform materials can be made transparent. Uncorrelated disordered materials with the same density would be opaque. The hidden order in the particles' relative positions causes their scattered light to interfere and cancel out. Carminati explained that the light goes through as if materials were homogeneous. It's too early to know what dense, transparent, non-crystalline materials might be useful for, he said, but there are certainly potential applications, particularly in photonics. And Bartolo's recent finding about hyperuniformity in emulsions translates into an easy recipe for stirring concrete, cosmetic creams, glass, and food. You have to deal with a hard mixing problem whenever you want to disperse particles in a paste, he said. This could be a way to do so in a very uniform fashion. First, you identify a material's characteristic amplitude, drive it at that amplitude a few dozen times, and then you have an evenly mixed, hyper-uniform distribution. Terquato, Steinhardt, and Associates have already done so. 
Their startup will manufacture hyper-uniform photonic circuits, devices that transmit data via light rather than electrons. The Princeton scientists discovered a few years ago that hyper-uniform materials can have band gaps, which block certain frequencies from reproducing. Band gaps allow controlled transmission of data, since the blocked frequencies can be contained and guided through channels called waveguides. But band gaps were once thought to be unique to crystal lattices, as well as direction-dependent, meaning they align with the crystal symmetry axes. This meant photonic waveguides could only go in certain directions, limiting their use as circuits. Since hyperuniform materials have no preferred direction, their little-understood band gaps are potentially much more practical. As for the pattern of five-color mosaics and bird eyes called multi-hyperuniform, it is so far unique in nature. Corbo still hasn't pinpointed how the pattern forms. Does it emerge from mutual repulsions between cone cells like other systems in the equilibrium class, or do cones get shaken up like a box of marbles? His guess is the first. Cells can secrete molecules that repel cells of the same type but have no effect on other types. Probably during embryonic development, each cone cell signals that it is differentiating as a certain type, preventing neighboring cells from doing the same. Corbo said that's a simple model of how this could develop. Local action around each cell could create a global pattern. Aside from chickens, the same multi-hyper-uniform retinal pattern has turned up in three other bird species that Corbo has investigated. This suggests that the adaptation is widespread and not tailored to any particular environment. He wonders whether evolution might have found a different optimal arrangement in nocturnal species. Corbo said that would be super interesting, but it's trickier for them to get their hands on something like owl eyes. That was a recap of Natalie Walchover's story, A Bird's Eye View of Nature's Hidden Order. You're listening to Quantum Magazine's podcast. I'm Karen Chakurji. For news, interviews, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org.